Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Merry Monday to you, Chad and Nate. And actually, it is Chad and Nate. Uh, hasn't been the case a lot over the last couple of weeks, but we are back and getting ourselves ready to roll for training camp 2022. You mean ready to ride? There, there we go. Yes, absolutely. Ready to ride. Let's ride. With a three for the E, as per our extra soft man, you got to fill this shirt, training camp t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, it's exciting, man. A couple days away, the players are going to be out there sweating in the sun. We're going to be watching them every day. <laughs> sweating in the sun. And, um, but a lot of teams already started. Yeah, training camps have already kicked off. As, 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 this, as the smart NFL guy around here, why? Why is that? Why are some teams already starting? Why are the Chiefs already out to a head start over the Broncos right now? Uh, I, I know if you get a new coach, you're allowed to have a couple extra days of camp. Uh, I know some teams can have rookies report early. Um, but for Casey that doesn't have a new coach, um, are they playing in a uh, in a Hall of Fame game? Because I know you can make guys report basically two weeks before the first uh, game. Okay. Um, so if they've got an earlier game, if they play on a Thursday where the Broncos, all three of the Broncos preseason games are on Saturday. Okay. So th- that could be a factor. Because the Bills are back to Josh Allen's out yes. there. So I've seen the clips, yeah. Perhaps the two of those teams are facing off. That could be an it. early matchup. Yes. Yeah, I feel... Uh, to recapture the intrigue of the AFC, well, that wasn't the championship game, was it? It seemed like it was the AFC championship game, but it wasn't. Yes. Um, Let's see here. Let's see here. August 4th, Thursday, August 4th, Jacksonville versus Las Vegas is the first preseason game. Okay, so no. Yes. So we're just slacking. Uh, I wouldn't call it slacking. Anyway, I'm just, I'm sort of joking around plenty of time, but the... Uh, but the Broncos, when you look at the other teams in their division, they are behind, you know, in preparation and time spent together. They're installing a new offense. They got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. They don't have – we've talked about this pretty consistently on the show about how they don't, they don't have a lot of padded practice time. They have, you know, a, a cap on the number of padded practices they can have both during the season and during training camp. So, okay, I guess the cap is probably the same for – every other team. So, yeah, you can report early, but you're not going to be doing, you know, any more hitting, any more practicing than anybody else. But uh, you just, I just, I just wondered when I saw the clips of those guys going out there, why are the Broncos not going out well, there too? KC plays its first game Saturday, August 13th, just as the Broncos do. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure why they are at it uh, three or four days early um, and what the league rules are because the Hall of Fame game this year, as I just mentioned, is Jacksonville playing Las Vegas? Yeah. Did you ever play in the Hall of Fame game? I did. I yeah. played in a game over in. Well, I, I actually didn't play in Tokyo because my daughter was going to be born, but that was a fifth preseason game. I played in uh, Vancouver, uh, the American Bowl, as it was called. That was a fifth preseason game. I played in the Hall of Fame game, which was a fifth preseason game. And let me tell you, that just absolutely sucked every single time. When you were playing in the Hall of Fame game, were you like, one day I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. And I didn't even want to go 
to the Hall of Fame, and I actually did not tour the Hall of Fame as a player. You're like, I ain't going until they put me in. Yes. And then uh, I went out this last summer to see a lot of my former Steeler teammates, and you know, a lot of Broncos went in, so see my boy Steve Atwater go in and all that. Um, so this was the first time I actually went into the Hall of Fame because I've recognized that uh, Chad Brown ain't going to be wearing a gold jacket unless how, I buy it myself. How does that make you feel? Like that you're not going? Um, does, does it any like, uh, do you feel like a failure? I do not feel like a failure. I, 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 you know, I think we all can look back and spin, justify things to ourselves. If I had stayed in Pittsburgh and stayed a Pittsburgh Steeler 3-4 outside linebacker my whole career, you know, would my career sacks go from 80 to 100 plus, 115, 120? Possibly. Well, that Suddenly, that's a whole different whole, that's a completely different conversation. Um, and Hall of Fame would likely be likely because I would have stayed in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers make the Pro Bowl, particularly Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers. So instead of having three, now I've got eight. Uh, you know, so all that kind of stuff would have been different. Um, in the end, though, football is a job, and I chose the path of uh, following the money to Seattle. Um, my family certainly appreciates it. Thank you, Paul Allen. Rest in peace. Um, so no, I, no regrets. No, no, no. I, I, I don't. Um, I, I, I don't. You know, I think I think things would have been different in in a couple different ways. But no, I don't have any regrets. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I always wonder because. Look, we all want to go to the NFL and, and put our mark there. And we all want to, of course, we all want to make it to the Hall of Fame. We all want to be the hero. We right. all want to be the Super Bowl MVP. But we don't all get to do that. No, we don't. Some guys do. And and I don't consider my career a failure either because I didn't make a Pro Bowl or do anything like that. You know, we can always understand the nuance of why things ended up the way they did. But, um, yeah, I played in that Hall of Fame game as well. I played in a, a Osaka game, uh-huh. Osaka, Japan. Right. Which is with those added. So you have five preseason games. Uh-huh. So that's just a longer a longer runway, but I thought it was pretty effective in figuring out who you got on your team, the bottom of the roster. You know, you got 90 dudes on this Denver Broncos team about to try to make the team. When I look at camp battles, the ones that intrigue me the most are obviously receivers, mm-hmm. corners. You got 15 wide receivers trying to – and really five of them are already locks, right? Right. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, Corlin Sutton, probably those four are locks. And then who are, who's going to be number five and number six? You're probably not going to keep seven. You got a couple guys for the practice squad, but um, but you got the kid Montreal Washington who they drafted to be the returner, right? He's a fifth round guy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got to think they want him to be there. So that leaves one spot for a, a guy like Kendall Hinton mm-hmm. or Tyree Cleveland or Travis Fulgham or whoever else is going to Williams, Seth Trey Williams, Quinn, right? Who they invested a, a whole season in last year. They drafted him last year. Mm-hmm. Had him on the practice squad. So who's going to be that guy that emerges? Preseason games are the opportunity to do that. Practices, you can do that as well. But even with limited hitting practice time, like it's just it's, the opportunities are few and far between. You're also, as a receiver, a victim of whatever play is called when you do get the two plays out of every period you get. Because if it's a 10-play period, 12-play period with 15 receivers, you're only going to get two or three of those plays. Mm-hmm. And if you're, like, running a backside post on one of them and one of them is a run going away from you, and then you run back and you're just waiting, yeah, it, not, it is very, very frustrating. It is. Just, I, I can't imagine. Because linebacker is not so much of a, t- a dependent position. If I want to go, I can just chase the ball and make a tackle. Yeah, You guys are at, at the mercy of who's playing quarterback. Can this guy even see and scan to his thir- second or is third progression? Is he even tall enough to see me? Yes. You know, is, is, does he, does, yeah, there's just so many variables there. 
oh, it's the fourth offensive tackle. Quarterback's not going to have any shot to get this ball off, and it's a deep route. Now I've just wasted my one of my two reps this period in a way, in a, in a rep that has no chance for success because we, I know this tackle's going to get beat. There's just so many variables out there for, for you guys. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for certain posi- uh, receivers to get a chance and an opportunity to shine. Um, when we come back, man, this uh, – Two days away, the, the excitement level is high. But uh, before we get into any of that, when we come back, Mark and Mike, uh, we're talking about the proper way to shave. What's the best way to do it? When we come back, I want to get you because you're you know you're not a a hairless dude. You're a pretty hairy guy over there. Very hairy. Very hairy. We'll talk about that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. It is not a reggae Monday, but it kind of sounds like a reggae Monday. What is sublime? Yeah. And before it was slightly stupid, those are the two bumper songs we have are sort of that are not reggae Monday or Friday or whatever, but are sort of reggae feel. Yes. Those guys are heavily influenced by the reggae dudes. For sure. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm bobbing my head, and the uh, text line has noticed uh, that uh, there's be nothing wrong with the reggae Monday. Right? Yes. Uh, before we get into the uh, more important topics, uh, I feel compelled to uh, follow up with uh, the conversation that Mark and Mike were having on the morning show. What is the proper way to shave? Uh, even Raj Sharon, our program director, came in and added his two cents. Apparently, you double shave, I think, is what he was. I was kind of transitioning in and out of the car, so I didn't quite catch it all. Yep. But I think he shaves twice. Yeah, he uh, he shaves. He shower. Wait, no, wait, he showers. He shaves, then he showers again. Okay, that's a- Yeah, this is a double shower. Double shower, not double shave. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it was a double shave. It okay. A, it was a double shower. But you say you double shave. You came in here hot, by the way, like, gentlemen, the correct way to do the shave, and everybody knows GQ, Men's Health, Every Women Magazine. So tell us, what is it? Uh, for me, uh, as per GQ, Esquire, and every, you know, every uh, guide to man shaving, uh, you... The steam of the shower helps soften up the hair. Um, so I prefer to shave in the shower so I have a constant level of steam and moisture in there. Now, either you need to mount a mirror on the glass or on the wall, or you need to have a handheld mirror and pull it off. And so to your point about double shaving, because there's you know only certain angles you can get in the shower with a you know mirror attached to a wall, you may have to do out, get out and do some of the finer details once you get out in the mirror uh, in the bathroom. But you can accomplish 98% of the shave in the shower. That's where I shave. And how often are you shaving? Daily? Uh, no, I'm, I try to go at least every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we are in football season and uh, people keep putting my face on camera, I shave more often than I would like. Why don't you just let it grow out, man? Why don't you uh, be the bearded guy on camera? I, I've, you know, I, I I tried that, and um, <laughs> I showed up to do a game uh, for the Pac-12, uh, and we had a Friday production meeting, and the uh, producer... As so we, you're as, going gonna to want to shave that. As we were leaving the, the meeting, he's like, all right, so you're going to go head back and shave, right? Yes. Yes, I am. That's not nice. <laughs> did you did you have that person expand on why? Like, what, what was the problem? With, what was the problem with your beard? Because uh, we're in a pretty for, forgiving society when it comes to facial hair and all sorts of hair. I 
I just I I, I took it uh, I, I took it to heart. I didn't ask any questions. Okay. Um, and okay. you know, if you look if you look at a successful broadcaster outside of I don't know Dan Fouts, mm-hmm. who who was, but that's a part of his identity. Yeah. is having he, the he beard. had that beard. I think in elementary school, probably Dan Fouts. Right. I, you'll, you know, I mean, we're going to find this picture of Dan Fouts without a beard. So short of that, uh, I think you you know. What successful broadcaster is not clean shaven? So I went back and I clean shaved as best I could. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think the way you shave depends on how much facial hair you got. Right, right. Like if if I let my beard grow out for a while, I can't just take a, ra- uh, a razor t- right to it. First, I have to go with the clippers. Trim it down. Sure. Trim it down. Mm-hmm. And then I, I I get hot water in my hands and wash my face with hot water, taking the place of the steam effect. Right. right. And then I kind of lather it up with some old school edge gel because I'm, you know, kind of stuck in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then I use my Mach 3 razor and then I do what I got to do, man. And then I wash it off and then I go over it again in little spots that I miss. But I do. But I uh, use a, a soapy lather for the second coat instead of the edge gel. And then that usually does the trick, man. Okay, okay. Uh, I've moved to shave cream instead of a foamy kind of gel like a, thing. Like a Barbasol? No, it's, uh, it's, I think it's called Slick or something like that. It's the best uh, shave product I've ever found uh, as far as the, the creams and lotions. We used uh, to fill uh, uh, water balloons up with shaving cream. Yeah. Throw them at people. That'd be fun. It is fun. Yes. You, you, you were that kid, man. You've mentioned a number of times what kind of kid you were. You were that kid. That was a lot of lot of mischief. <laughs> a lot of mischief. A lot of mischief. A lot of close calls. Okay. I was thinking about some close calls that I, when you almost got caught, when something like you're doing something bad and you almost got caught, and it was so close. Like one in particular, I was thinking of yesterday. Um, you know, we used to light firecrackers and little fireworks and stuff, and they had these little flowers. You could buy buy them at the at the flea market, and you light them up, and they've like little, made a little flower. Yep. Well, me and some uh, hooligans in my neighborhood were standing on this kind of busy street. And when a car would go by, we'd light it and throw it in front of the car. Oh, right. Traffic accidents. Look at you guys. Nobody caused any accidents, but we did it to the wrong dude. And he can't, oh. The wrong group of dudes mm-hmm. in a big truck mm-hmm. who slammed on the brakes. We start running into this neighborhood <laughs> and we all hid. And I hid under a bush. They stopped the truck. These four dudes got out and they're canvassing the neighborhood trying to find us and i'm under the bush watching this guy's feet come walking and he knows that i ran back in this area and he's almost to me like five feet away and his buddy's like man forget it let's get out of here like the movie stops Uh i just see his feet stop he turns around gets in the car and goes uh in my neighborhood in southern california everyone had uh orange trees or some kind of fruit tree so, uh, you know, late uh, summer when all the fruits would drop off the ground, you, we would take the, the rotten oranges because we wouldn't want to throw rocks at cars because that could damage a car. But of course, to hit somebody's car with a rotten orange, you'd make a big splash and all that, but it wouldn't damage the car. So that's how we made it okay. That's how we justified it to ourselves. So we would throw oranges at cars. Did anybody stop? And- oh, yeah. And then you'd run and hide in the bushes yeah. and all that. Yep. So once we did this at, my, uh, at a friend's mother's elementary school because we knew the school really well. Um, car stopped. We take off running, and two of my friends go hide behind this church. Just as luck would have it, uh, the cops see them running across the street, hide behind the church. They go behind the church. They investigate what's going on. Not only is the church door open, not only is there a ladder outside the church as my friends are running across. So now my friends are being investigated kind of right there for breaking and entering into this church. When reality, we're just throwing oranges at cars. But luckily, 
similar kind of thing like you see in the movies. The cops get an emergency call on the radio. (laughs) They have to take off. But they take off with my friend's license. Oh. So then he's got to go to the sheriff's office the next day. So you guys were like old. You weren't little kids. No, we were 16. We were driving. Yes. And so he has to go back to the the sheriff's office and retrieve his license the next day. So why were you guys breaking into the church? <laughs> no, see this. Exactly. I mean, uh, you just pushed it a little too far. Then, yeah, that's know? exactly. What I was with you with the oranges. Yeah, yeah. By the way, all right. Uh, so according to the text line, I think I am correct. Um, My opinion is the correct one. Uh, have to shave in the shower for the same reason. Uh, Merlin also had a fabulous beard. There we go. Shave in the shower and fine tune after in front of the mirror. I shave in the shower. None of this before or after stuff. So yes, I think uh, my. Notes from GQ and Esquire have been followed by many of our listeners and texters on the text line. We also have a lot of listeners uh, perplexed at someone who would double shower during a drought. Come on, Raj. What about the what about the environment, yo? I just dry Uh-oh. shave with a steak knife. Just like a cowboy. Yep. Nice. Okay. All right. So that puts the shave conversation to bed. I, I, I wanted to have that, and now we can officially move on. Training camp is two days away. Uh, did you, uh, first day of school, it's, did you have all your bags packed, laid out by the front door two days, two days ahead of time? Have your, your outfit planned for the first team meeting? Yeah. My sweats and my t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of outfit planning, but there, of course there is, you know, you have to tie up all your other loose ends in the world because yes. you're, you're about to go away. Yeah. You know, you're about to the- go mm-hmm. away. So if you have any outstanding parking tickets, yes. if you have, you know, your registration needs to be up, whatever it is, you got to take care of all of it now because once the season starts, you're not going to. You're not going to think about it. Your mind will be on football. Your body will be beaten down. You will be asked to do crazy things physically and study and, and, and challenge your mind and, and be Fully devoted to this one thing. So any other real-world responsibilities, you got to do them now. you got two more days to do it. Obviously, you have people at the facility who can help you do that. You know, if you get jury duty, it's not like you have to go or make any calls. You hand it to the dude who takes care of it, and he Mm -hmm. takes care of it for you, right? Yes. But at the same time, we remember Bradley Chubb last year getting pulled over, and he just had some outstanding traffic and parking stuff that he hadn't taken care of. So little stuff like that can really derail you if you if you catch the wrong cop at the wrong time mm-hmm. <clears throat> um for example like sometimes away games you're on an east coast game you get home at like three in the morning or something right and then you hop in your car and you're on your way home and maybe you you run a stop sign and whoop what's this drunk driver out doing i'm gonna pull him over no you're not a drunk driver but your license is expired and you play for the broncos so you're gonna spend a night in jail mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. so Take care of all those little real-world things. And then you get to say goodbye to everyone in your life. And you have a legitimate reason not to text them back for the next six months. Right. Okay? They know that you're doing something really intense. They get to watch it on TV. They get to watch it unfold from afar. So you get to dedicate yourself to that. The Broncos are going to be spending this training camp in the hotel, which is pretty cool. Check out. You know, leave these distractions Obviously, your family, you love them, but they are a distraction. Get away from everybody. Focus on football. I love it. When you were a Bronco, did you guys stay in the dorms? Were you, where was Cal? No, we actually, so there, the, the hotel right up the street, it was like an old Holiday Inn. It's right. changed names a bunch of times. It's, it's right by UC Health Training Facility. Um, that's where we stayed, but, but veterans got to stay at home. Yep. I never got to do that. Never what? got to do that. Wow. I was always in a dorm or always in a hotel. Uh, dorms uh, at uh, in, in Pittsburgh and in Seattle, we had training camp at Eastern Washington University, a four-hour drive away from Seattle. Um, very isolating. 
Um, in New England, we stayed in a hotel, uh, a residence inn, which was nice. I had a full kitchen. I could actually, on day off, cook a meal for myself. Get some goat milk and some, <laughs> Get some, my some weird, cashew uh, cereal. My nut like milks, my nut juices. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I never had the, the opportunity to do training camp at home. Um, so, yeah, the today's kids, today's NFL, they got it so easy. They do like uh, 10 days in the hotel, then they get to stay at home if they're, you know, a veteran of any kind of uh, standing. Yeah, it's pretty cool now. Although I think with uh, the kids around, that would be difficult to be at home. I I still would, probably my wife and I would have gotten into some arguments about me still choosing to stay at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Just because I wanted to stay, I would want to stay focused and have a chance to rest up. Because kids don't care if you get training camp. Right. You're dad, and you are a jungle gym, and I want to play on you today. Yep. It's like, no, dad had to scrimmage today, and I got two padded practices tomorrow, buddy. I love you. Yep. Yeah. Somebody saying uh, on the text line, in reference to the fact that I used steak knives to shave. Steak knives are serrated. Your face would be shredded. Yeah, if my face wasn't also serrated. I have a serrated face. <laughs> the serrated steak knife, it just works perfectly. All right. Uh, when we come back with training camp just being two days away, uh, which of the position groups excites you the most and which one causes you the most concern? Nate and I will talk about that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Training camp two days away. Nate and I will be out there uh, broadcasting live from the UC Health Training Center on Wednesday. Um, but until we are there, we can begin to see these position groups do their things out there. For now, we are still a little bit in speculation mode. Um, but for you, partner uh, of the position groups, which one presents you with the most excitement and which one presents you with the most concern? Um, hmm. Let's see. I think that, okay, Russell Wilson was the most exciting part of this Broncos offseason. Mm-hmm. That's saying a lot because the Broncos had a, signed a new head coach. They got a new owner. But they got their quarterback. Russell Wilson was the most exciting part of the offseason. I don't think he's going to be the most exciting part of training camp. I think that position battles make training camp interesting to me. Uh, the question marks. Who's going to emerge um, as a playmaker, as a reliable teammate, as a guy who can execute the plan, as somebody who you didn't expect? And when I look at this team, the defense – seems a lot more shored up than the offense. The defense doesn't have a lot of question marks on it other than maybe middle linebacker. So I think the the position group to me that or or the secondary seems to me like a strength on this team. You're going to have the exact same four starters as you had last year. Pat Sertan is a year better. Um probably going to be the best player in that secondary, I think, him or Justin Simmons. But then you got K-Jack and Ronald Darby, who I think are probably going to be your week one starters unless something crazy happens at training camp or an injury happens. But I think that's pretty predictable. And and as far as the defensive line goes, depending on the health of Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, those four guys are pretty much locked up too, right? Um, so I think that the big question mark is in the middle. Inside linebackers are a question to me. And a lot of the offensive players are a big question mark to me. Who's going to emerge as your playmakers on offense? At wide receiver, who's it going to be? We don't even know who the number one receiver is on this team. 
We don't really know who the number one running back is on this team. We don't know who the number one tight end is on this team. And we don't know what's going on with the interior offensive line or right tackle. Really, I would say left tackle. Garrett Bowles is the only surefire starter on that offensive line, right? Maybe Cushenberry. But there's so many question marks on offense that, to me, um, the defensive side of the ball is what I think is going to be predictable, secure, and established. The offense is up in the air for me, and and training camp and a couple of preseason games are going to give us the only glimpses we have as to who those day one starters are going to be and who Nathaniel Hackett's going to decide he wants to give the ball to. Limited opportunities for these guys. they got to make splash plays every day. You were kind of running up and down the uh, position groups. Uh, The defensive backfield, I think, for the most part, yes, it seems pretty solid. But when you look at uh, Coach Evero and what he did with the Rams last year, they were third uh, highest in the league um, in having six defensive backs on the field. 26.7% of the time, they had six DBs on the field. Six DBs? Six DBs. Why wouldn't you just run it down their throats? <laughs> uh, you, you Obviously, know, you know, it's third and long. Right. So, and they have Aaron Donald down there. Right. So the, you know, Personnel, the, right? The Rams offense... Got ahead enough. The other team was forced to pass. Yeah. Coach Everett went, went with 60 B. So, obviously, there's a situational aspect to that um, that may not always play out here in Denver. But certainly, it's in his repertoire to call a defense where you're not just going, you know, nickel, which is going to be five DBs, but you can go full dime with six guys out there. Um, so, a quarter of the time, you need six guys. So, so is that three, three corners, three safeties? It could be that. It could be four corners and two safeties. It all depends. But, you know, we got Pat Sertan, we got Ronald Darby, we got Kawan Williams, we got Justin Simmons and K-Jack. Yeah. So that gives us our five when we go nickel. Who is going to be that sixth guy? OJ that's, or Caden Stearns, right? That's pretty much the two options, the two best options. So do you want to go with another safety out there or do you go with a cornerback with Michael Ojemudia? Um, You know, I Ojemudia has certainly won uh, quite a bit of praise from the coaches. Um in my limited exposure out there this offseason, he certainly seemed to be playing well and making up for what was essentially a lost year last year due to injury early on, um, but uh, has impressed the coaching staff, and they've talked uh, at length about how impressive he has been. Um, but I think there can be some times when maybe they want to go with a third safety on the field with Caden Stearns. Maybe the, the team has a third down back who's an equal pass catching and running threat. Um, so, you know, Coach Evero wants to go that direction. So they got some flexibility there, but we still need to figure out who is going to be that staple sixth defensive back. Um, when you talk about the, the edge guys, uh, I think it seems like it's going to be Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. Um, but both guys have a bit of an injury history. Randy Gregory hasn't practiced pretty much all offseason long. Let's see when he's able to go. Uh, is he going to be able to go this preseason at all? Will, he, will we see him at all? Or will his first action be in that first regular season game? Uh, don't have the schedule in front of me. But, uh, yeah, it's way over there. Can you grab that for me? Way yeah, over it's there. Seattle. It's Seattle. There we go. Yes. Okay. Um, inside linebacker has got some question marks as well. But rather than saying kind of what's the most intriguing, because the intrigue is different than importance. As I'm looking around this team, yes, we want to figure out who the receivers are going to be. But I think in the end, Russell Wilson is going to throw passes and somebody's going to catch him. We just need to figure out who that's going to be. But someone's going to emerge from the K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. Someone's going to emerge from that group 
and be the guy. There's going to be a guy who's going to have, you know, 60-plus, 70-plus catches on, from that wide receiver room. There's going to be Hopefully a couple, more than that. There's going to be a couple of guys who come in pretty close under that. But for me, the most important group with the uh, is going to be this offensive line. Because if we want to keep Russell Wilson upright and not have him have 40-plus sacks again, that's this offensive line. If you want this talent in the running back room, which Avante Williams and Melvin Gordon have success, that's this offensive line. And they are learning a completely new scheme with this outside zone scheme um, that has a very different ask of the guys who are out there trying to do it. Um, it's uh, much more predicated on the athleticism and the teamwork aspect. And so for a group where the starters at this point aren't fully known outside of Garrett Bowles, uh, for a, a group where there could be some battles, particularly at that uh, right guard spot, um, outside zone is so much about working together and having a unspoken just a felt communication level. Okay, I'm going to peel off this block so I can go to the second level. You're going to take over my guy. All that kind of sharing responsibility that needs to happen on the outside zone. Um, I'm going to ba- I'm going to bypass this guy because I have a sense of where the running back is, and I know I can go out and get and block the the edge guy. All those kind of nuanced things that takes time to learn with the three weeks of preseason with the possible position battles and some of the uncertainty at right tackle and right guard. Um, that, to me, may be the most important position group on this team to support Russell Wilson and this offense and support this running game, which in turn is going to then support this defense. We saw this defense got wore out last year. There were games where the Broncos' defense was handed the lead late in the game, but due to the exposure they had from a time perspective and a number of snaps perspective, could not stand up in the end moments in the ball game. So this offensive line for me is the most important position group going into training camp for me and how quickly they can come together because of the ripple effect it'll have for Russell Wilson, for the receivers, for the running backs, and then in turn also for the defense. Synchronized sumo wrestling. That's what offensive line play is. And when you talk about zone blocking uh, in a running game, it's like zone defense when you're playing, you know, basketball, you guard an area. Someone comes in that area, you have them. Zone blocking in the running game is you're blocking essentially an area. Someone comes into that area, you handle them. If there's two people come into your area and you're the only guy responsible, you have to block the most dangerous man, and that means that you have to understand where the running back's trying to go. But you're right. These guys have to get on their horse, go laterally, um, and do it with a quickness to get guys like you running so they can pop out the back end on a play-action pass. There we go. Uh, Peter King has released his latest uh, football in the morning Football Morning in America article yesterday. He lists out the 32 burning questions for all 32 teams, and he has one for the Broncos. We will talk about that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. will be uh, at UC Health Training Center Wednesday with our uh, new clothes on. Probably be wearing our new training camp t-shirts. Our analysis of training camp 2020 ready to ride. This week will be presented by Elite Sports Book. Looking forward to uh, sharing the training camp experience with you, my friend. Um, we've got to try to get some uh, interviews. It'll be, I think it'll be fun if we can get some folks... Uh, some of these more important players and names on the Broncos roster and give them the Nate and Chad treatment. Ask them some 
football stuff, some fun stuff, get a chance to know some of these guys. Yeah, because it's hard to get to know football players. You know what I mean? Because they're behind the helmet. Um, their access is pretty restricted. They're a little tight-lipped when it comes to talking to media anyway. There's a little bit of distrust, I think, with the media, with players. And, you know, I think we have the opportunity through some some experienced, thoughtful interviews to kind of hopefully break down that wall a little bit and, uh, and, and get some real answers out of guys. Because what they go through... Everybody has a different story getting to this point, and they're all trying to live out this dream. You know, they're all trying to make their mark on this season and carve out a career and, you know, live up to the expectations. You talk about Bradley Chubb, for example. Like, is Bradley Chubb a bust? Is he a bust? Is he a bust? We forget that this human being who has been through just so much to try to make this dream a reality and to prove to everyone that, no, he's not a bust. Yes, he is worthy of the money he makes and the the attention he's given and the fact that he was drafted number five overall. And that's just one story out of 90. And everybody has their own journey that they're on. And I think, um, you know, a good thing, for example, about Andrew Mason is that he's able to kind of dig for those stories and tell some stories that you otherwise wouldn't have known. It is hard to watch a training camp practice and pick up on everything going on because there's so much going on. Um, and so we'll have a lot of eyeballs on these practices and be able to do our best to help you guys uh, – Feel like you're there with us. All right. Speaking of Bradley Chubb, I teased out uh, Peter King's 32 questions for all 32 teams. And towards the end of the article uh, about the Broncos, his question for the Broncos is, will Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb be worth the investment? And Peter King writes, of course, this is the summer of Russell Wilson in Colorado, but we all know he'll be fine and productive. I say the bigger question mark in camp is honing the pass rush to threaten Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert in this quarterback-heavy division. Gregory is coming off rotator cuff surgery in March, and Chubb, the fifth pick in the 2018 draft, hasn't justified his draft stock after missing 24 games in four seasons. This is a big summer for them. Is the health of Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb the biggest question mark for the Broncos in 2022? Um, yeah, I think it is. Time and time again on these airwaves and, and nationally, we're told how important edge rushers are. You you can tell how important they are based on how much money they make and how much attention they get and how high they get drafted now. So, yes, you got to put pressure on the quarterback. Last year, or I'm sorry, last week, Kyle Reese sat in with you, mm-hmm. and he said that he believes that with all these amazing offenses in this division and all these great quarterbacks, that the defense is actually going to be the difference. And then Mike Kliss came on here and shot him down. He said, no, Kyle. You're wrong. It's going to be about the offense because, well, a lot of people think it's all about the quarterbacks. I actually believe, Kyle, I, 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 I think the same thing. This defense has the chance to be the difference maker when it comes to whether or not these Broncos are going to be good. You got to remember, yes, we have Russell Wilson. Okay, Yes, he's very good at playing quarterback, but this is a first-time offensive coordinator, a first-time head coach, installing a one-of-one offense, collaborating with his quarterback to come up with a new system that has never been done before and trying to teach it to guys with limited practice time and expecting them to go out and beat the brakes off a team who's been doing this for a lot longer than they have. You look at the Chiefs, for example. They're already practicing, by the way. Mm -hmm. And they've made it to four straight AFC championship games. They have a connection with each other, a connection with their coaching staff that far supersedes what's going on here. At least yet, the Broncos have to put a lot of work in before they can start feeling like they're on par with that offense. So, to me, they're going to rely on their defense to keep them in ball games. Week one. Let's talk about week one for a quick second. Seattle probably has 
the most potent home field advantage in the NFL. Would you would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Outside uh, arguments, with Kansas City, but yes, I, I, that's a fair statement. Because the crowd noise is bananas. Bananas. So first year offense, okay, an offense that some guys don't know yet, going into hostile territory where they cannot hear each other. Okay, so the offense is going to be affected by it. The fact that we're still learning it and we can't hear. So it's going to have to be severely dumbed down and simplified for that week one. The goal for Coach Hackett is to make it simple enough in week one that you don't overwhelm your guys. Number two, that week one game, who has more spite and ill will going into that game? The Seattle team or the Broncos? Seattle. Seattle. Highly motivated. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson's got something to prove, but... Every single player on that Seattle Seahawks team, plus the coaching staff, plus the fan base, want to prove that it wasn't Russell that made him good. I think that's a buzzsaw that these Broncos might be walking into. I know a lot of people think it's a cupcake game. Seattle sucks. I don't I don't believe that. I think Pete Carroll, probably one of the best coaches in the NFL. And nobody knows Russell Wilson better than that man. This is going to be a difficult game. That's a long way of saying I think the defense is going to be relied upon heavily, especially early in the get, uh, early in the season when this offense is trying to come together. So I, I, I agree with my man Kyle Reese that the defense could be the difference in this division. Yeah, so the, the uh, hypothesis or hypotheses or whatever you was proper term there uh, from Kyle Reese was this division is so quarterback stacked uh, with Mahomes and Herbert and Carr and Wilson and all those guys have various weapons. Adams in, in Las Vegas and Kelsey and KC and uh, Herbert's got talented receivers in Keenan Allen. And, you know, some of these offensive weapons here will emerge that the offense in some ways will equal each other out across the division. And it's going to be the defense that gets one or two more stops per game. Or the special teams that sets up better field position during the course of the game is going to end up making a difference. And to your point, Mike Liss dismissed that because uh, Mike's a little bit more quarterback focused. And he said, oh, well, the Broncos have had the best defense a couple times in the last couple of years, and they haven't been able to get it done. But there, was, there wasn't there was an offense to match the right. other offenses around the division. So uh, I see things much more similarly to Kyle, just as you do. Um, so I guess to Peter King's point about the health and the success of Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory being the biggest question mark about the Broncos heading into training camp, um, I think it's a fair argument. I think we need those two guys to be able to uh, affect the quarterbacks in this division. In Las Vegas, they've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Uh, they've got Bosa and Mack in L.A. with the, with the uh, Chargers. Um, Kansas City's got Chandler Jones on the inside. They don't necessarily have great guys outside, but Frank Clark can get it done from time to time. Um, so they've got some weapons there. Melvin Ingram, uh, is he still there in KC or not? No, he signed with Baltimore. Um, so... There's certainly pass rush duos and pass rush guys around the league, and I don't think any of those guys have the same amount of question marks that we have with our two guys here in Denver. So we need those guys to be healthy. We need them to step up. We need them to play well. Can the Broncos win with Nick Benito on one side and uh, <clears throat> and Malik Reed, Malik Reed, or Jonathan Cooper on the other side? No, no, no. they can't win. No, no. I just don't think you'll be able to keep pace and create constant enough pressure. And then because if those are your two guys, then you're not going to be able to win consistently enough with a four man rush. Now you're bringing pressure. Now you're taking somebody. Now you're bringing a defensive back. Now you're bringing a linebacker. Now you're burning a zone someplace or you're leaving uh, somebody without enough help. And these quarterbacks in this division are good enough to 
recognize pressure if you're not good at hiding it. And if you do show the pressure, then they're good enough to recognize, oh, we got Hunter Renfro on Michael Ojemudia. I know Ojemudia stepped up and he's become better, but Hunter Renfro is one of the craftiest route runners in all the NFL. I expect Hunter Renfro to win that matchup consistently if that's the way it goes. So if you begin to not get pressure with just your front four guys and you've got to create it through pressures and blitzes and things like that, then yes, these quarterbacks in this division are good enough to isolate, identify, find the mismatch, and get the ball and deliver an accurate ball in those circumstances. Yeah, Devontae Adams talking recently and said, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's cool going from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback. He thinks Derek Carr is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, has a lot of confidence in that guy. And now he's got Darren Waller on his team, who he didn't have last year in Green Bay. He didn't really have – well, I guess he had Robert Tanyan. Nah, that's, a, that's, that's night and day. That's night yeah. and day. Apples and oranges yes. there. But Hunter Renfro, they didn't have a Hunter Renfro type of guy either. It's going to be interesting to see how the Raiders um, operate that offense. The Raiders won – the Raiders went four and zero in overtime games last year. Did you see that? Uh, I did. That, that that stat going around Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So the twenty twenty one Raiders four and zero in overtime games, most OT wins in history. Five and one in field goal games, one field goal games, seven and two in one score games. Ranked number seventh in fumble luck. Ranked number eighth in field goal luck. So is that a reflection on Coach Basaccia? Does that mean they that he coached them well? Or does that mean that he got lucky? Some of that's just luck. Do you create some of your own luck as a, as a team and as a player? You do, but sometimes the ball just bounces fortunately in your hands sometimes. Well, I'm saying like field goal games, like you're managing a game well mm-hmm. to be able to win close games like that. Like it can't all be luck. It's not all luck, no. So did the Raiders make a mistake? Can enrich Basachi in favor of Joshy boy. I think there are some folks who would say that, um, but I think Joshy boy. Um, I still got a little bone to pick with him. I, yeah, I see you. What do. Joshy boy? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, Quit messing with me, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if they made a mistake. Uh, I think the offense is definitely going to be pushed forward. That's evidenced by the ownership going out and getting uh, Adams. Uh, yeah. trying to maximize Derek Carr in the window that he presents them. But, yeah, um, I guess we, we are, uh, we're we going to find out. We're fixing to. We're fixing to find out. When we come back, we got our distraction segment, and you mentioned the stories of training camp and how every player comes in with a little bit of a different story. We'll talk about that next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.